Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have Galatians chapter 4, we're going to begin there, and uh, I, I want to whet your appetite for truth and for the Word of God. I, I'm a huge Word of God person in the sense that the, the only way that we can actually have a faith that works, it has to be a faith based on the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so, therefore, we, we have to be empowered by knowledge. And as we use that knowledge in wisdom, we're going to be so much better off. So, Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and he gets into this uh, airship thing that we're joint heirs with Christ. And we are. And we are children of God, and he refers to that. But down in verse number four, he gives us this insight. He said, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them which were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So here this thing about sonship and we could say daughtership also occurs here. So God wants us to be the children that he has. And I, and I believe that and I think you know that. And if we're children of God, then we're heirs of God and the good things of God will come to us as the heirs of God. And that's good news. And if you look at this, there, there's two things here. He says, the fullness of time was come, and when it did come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive this adoption. So two things here. Number one is time. Number two is purpose. Say that with me. Time, purpose. Let's say it again. Time, purpose. So he tells us there was an appointed time when everything got right, then this this son came forth made of a woman and made under the law. Now, everyone at this point is still under the law. And no one could uh, do, quote, the law in a right way, but there's one coming who's going to fulfill the entirety of the law. He's going to be pure. He's going to be holy. He's not going to offend, sin, transgress the law. He's going to do it perfectly, and he's the only one that could do it and the only one who has ever done it. Can I hear it? Amen. So therefore, we have time, we have purpose. We're not going to really talk a lot about purpose tonight, but we are going to talk about the time. Um, when was Jesus born? Was it December the 25th? Uh, I really don't think so. Uh, I don't think the early Christians believed that, although there were some reasons why December the 25th came about. Uh, Christmas was only uh, observed on December the 25th after the Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity, so therefore he wanted the Christian religion to be the primary belief system of all of the Roman Empire. And so he enacted some things. So the first recorded time that we see believers celebrating the 25th of December was about, uh, 30, about 336 A.D., so Council of Nicaea was in 325 A.D., so 336 A.D. Then there was a uh, worshiping, uh, if you will, a time about the birth of Jesus Christ. The earlier believers in that first century really spent more time in, in celebrating the resurrection and worshiping Jesus about the resurrection than they did the birth. And obviously both are very important, aren't they? You, you can't have the resurrection without the death. You can't have the death without the birth. So all this dovetails together and it ties together. So in 30, uh, 
36 BC, uh, AD, then Constantine began to officially have the Roman Empire celebrating Christmas. And uh, the earliest source of this 25th December date was birthed by Hippolytus of Rome, and he wrote this in about the 3rd century on the, assump the assumption that the conception of Jesus took place in the spring equinox, and he placed that about the 25th of uh, March, and nine months later would be, what, the 25th of December. Now, another thing here, the Bible prophetically says the people sat in darkness saw great light. And can I tell you the darkest day of the year? It's December the 21st. So that's when we have this winter shift here. It really becomes winter. But after the 21st, the days become longer. So the days shorten to the 21st of December. After the 21st of December, they get longer. So from antiquity, man celebrated after the 21st of, of, uh, of December because the sun began to get longer and longer and longer, and they knew that spring was coming. So there's a lot of things there that kind of factor into this. Uh, many scholars, and probably most, believe that Jesus was born in the spring. And I think there's a lot of evidence uh, pointing that way. Some believe he was born in the fall. But let me just give you some reasons why he was probably born in the spring. The first one really revolves around the Passover lamb. I mean, we do believe that Jesus was the Lamb of God, right? And he is the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the earth. So in Exodus 12, if you'd like to turn there, Moses begins to receive some instruction. They're still in Egypt. The ninth plague has taken place. Everybody say nine. The tenth is about to take place. So we've had nine plagues up to this point, and the tenth plague is going to release them out of bondage or from this land of sin, if you will, this land of, uh, of uh, Egypt. And it's the tenth one that involves the lamb. All these others involve other things, but the lamb is in the, uh, the tenth plague. So verse 1 of Exodus chapter 12, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So now we have the beginning, if you will, of the Jewish calendar. So up until this time, and, and for, you know, hundreds of years, they've been in Egyptian captivity. But now the Lord is saying, uh, I'm going to begin you on a new timetable, a new time clock, and you as a nation, now this, this group of people as slaves, now they're going to be officially recognized as a nation and also as a son. Because if you go to the beginning of Exodus, when he tells Moses, he says, you tell Pharaoh to let my son Israel go. So he refers to the nation as a son, and now he puts them on a different calendar, and he gives them a different timetable. So this month, verse 2, shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now here's verse 3. Speak to all the children of uh, all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, lamb for a household. If the household's too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor uh, next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. So let's say you have a very small household, the neighbor has a small household, you can come together, participate with the same lamb. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, male of the first year, you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. So there's some very important information here. The 10th day 
take the lamb. Keep the lamb in your house until the 14th day. So the lamb is to be without blemish, male, first year. So let's back up. The 10th day, we take the lamb. We keep the lamb into the house for four days, and then after that, then the lamb is to be sacrificed and the blood applied, and then that last plague, we call it the what? The Passover, and death passes over. Aren't you glad death passes over us today? The strength of sin is death, and the strength of death is sin. It's this you know, symbiotic relationship. And once we have come to the lamb, applied the blood of the lamb to us, death no longer has hold on us. Now, it does physically, but how many of you know eternally, death has no hold on you? Man, that's great news. Wonderful, wonderful news. Have, have you ever wondered why Jesus came in on the triumphal entry on Sunday, first day of the week? And he came in, and we call it the triumphal entry. He enters in on the foal of a donkey. They're saying, Hosanna, blessed to see who comes in the name of the Lord. So we have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So if he comes in on Sunday, then he's in the house Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. How many days is that? That's four days. Let me tell you what he's doing. He's fulfilling the exact requirements for the Passover lamb. That's why he entered into Jerusalem and stayed there in that vicinity because he's coming into the house and he's, he, he's being examined. And during those days, that's when they're asking him questions. Uh, they're inquiring of him. They're trying to confuse him. They're trying to trap him. And then at the end of that, before he goes to the cross... We know that Pilate says, I find no fault in him. So Pilate unknowingly is saying, this one, this lamb is now fit to be the Passover lamb because I see no blemish in him. So everything that Jesus did fulfilled scripture as we see it in the Passover lamb. So he comes in on the, the, the triumphal entry. He's there. Uh, if you begin on Monday, the four days, then he's crucified. And on the third day, he resurrects. Now, let, let's go back to this beginning of months and this beginning day of the Jewish uh, calendar. It's the month of Nisan. Not the car, but the month. It's spelt two ways, N-I-S-A-N, N-I-S-S-A-N. But the month of Nisan corresponds to our last part of March and the first part of April. That's why Passover is always in that month of Nisan, the 15th day. Because remember, you take the lamb on the 10th day, four days you examine it. Then the next day the lamb is slain, which was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ for the true lamb of God. And so that first day is the beginning of the month, and the month is the first month. So it's our late March, early April. That's why Passover, or we would say Easter, or Resurrection Sunday, always, always, always appears the last of March or the beginning time of April. And it's lunar, so the date changes. But it's always in March and April. You will not find Easter in any other time than March and April. So Nisan spans our March and our April, so it's the time of Passover. In 2020, the Jewish New Year begins uh, Friday, September the 18th at evening. 
And, and you say, whoa, 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 hang on here. You said that, that Nisan 1 was the beginning of months for the Jewish calendar. And that's literally true. But they changed the, the Jewish New Year to the fall in September. And most of you know it's called Rosh Hashanah. And so they get together and they call that time the head of the year, the Jewish New Year. And it's also called the day of shouting, the day of blasting. But according to scripture, you just read the real beginning of the, of the year is what? The first of Nisan. And that is the beginning of what we know as the antiquity of the Jewish New Year. So pastor, okay, you're saying all that. What does that mean about Christmas? Well, you, you read in Luke that the shepherds were watching their flocks at night. The shepherds didn't watch their flocks in the winter. They watched their flocks in the spring. And there was a reason they watched their flocks in the spring because that was the time of the birthing of the lambs. So there was a set time they would birth lambs and it was the end of March and the beginning of April. Because they needed hundreds of thousands of lambs for Passover. And so where did those lambs come from? Those lambs came from the birthing fields that the shepherds would watch the flocks around Bethlehem. Because those lambs are going to be needed for every Jewish family throughout this region. And even families that were beyond that, they still practice Passover. And so we needed, if you will, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lambs. And these lambs were birthed at the end of March, the beginning of April. He said, Pastor, why were they birthed then? Because it was a timing issue. They had to be birthed before the 15th of Nisan. Because what was one of the requirements of the lamb? It had to be of the first year. So that lamb had to be one year old prior to the 15th of Nisan. So that's why they tried to birth them at a certain time so all these lambs could come in to play at the Passover all about one year old. If it was over one year old, couldn't use it, it was beyond, but it had to be, I mean, you know, if it was past the 15th, they had to use it at the 15th, and all these lambs had to be at least one year old before the 15th. Does that make sense? So that's why this was the birthing time of the lambs. Now, it's been said many times that many of these shepherds were not just your ordinary shepherd. Many of them had a tie to the priesthood because they're looking at the lambs and the quality of the lambs and if you say, well, I, I have to have this type of lamb, you, you don't go out and say, well, you know, let, let's just hope we have enough that don't have markings and they're pure and they're the right color. You have to literally, in advance, look for rams and ewes to be the right type to birth these kind of lambs. And so the selection of the mother and the father of the lamb is pretty important, isn't it? And guess what? When the angel came to Joseph and Mary, it wasn't a, let's vote on who should be the virgin. It was a selection process. And Mary was selected by Almighty God. Boy, what, what a privilege to be the, the mother of Jesus Christ. So, so here's the lambs. Now, 
the shepherds are keeping their flock by night. The lambing season for Israel is in the early spring. And so that's why we think that this timing should be around the first of Nisan. So that's one of the reasons that uh, we have that probably December the 25th is not the time for uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. Now that being said, how many of you know we should be celebrating Jesus every day? So there's nothing wrong with celebrating him on the 25th, the 24th, whenever you celebrate. So don't get hung up. Someone coming and tried to, you know, make you feel bad, condemn you. You know, you're more spiritual than I am. Okay, I, I'm, I'm with you there. But, but, you know, Paul said this. He said, some keep this day, some keep this day. He said, every day ought to be holy to the Lord. That's what he said. So we're, we're not tied down to that. And I don't believe early believers... We're trying to say, well, we're going to make this a pagan festival. Now, that being said, there were a lot of pagan festivals around that time. And I think one of the reasons that maybe Constantine and others uh, maybe chose that day to celebrate Christmas is because they wanted these heathens and these non-believers to at least look that we're celebrating something and it's not paganism. Now... You hear this and I hear this. Well, you know, we're all caught up in this commercialism. We're caught up in this, um, this uh, you know, merchandising. We're caught up in this and we've lost the real meaning of Christmas. Well, some people have, and, and, I, and I acknowledge that. But let me tell you, it's pretty good when the world starts singing our songs. Just like the songs that Waylon and Wendy sang tonight. There's a lot of unbelievers that are singing about Jesus. They're singing about the birth of Jesus. How many of them, that's great. So... They're not singing it probably any the rest of the year, but at least if we can get them focusing on the birth of Jesus, singing some of the songs, that at least something good is going to happen there, and that's not bad. That's a good thing. So we shouldn't be upset if the unbelievers sing in our songs. I think we ought to be pleased. And how many of you know the Holy Spirit may get a hold of their heart? So that's a good thing. So we know this is the lambing time. We know Jesus is the lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. So why would it not be that when these lambs for Passover is being born, that the true lamb of God also is being born, and not only being born anywhere, but being born around Bethlehem? Now, why Bethlehem? Well, a couple of reasons. Because Bethlehem is the birthplace and the area where David was raised. He was a Bethlehemite, which the, the name Bethlehem, Beth means house, the last means bread. So he was born in the house of bread. And when he came, he said, I am the true bread that came down from heaven. So no better place for the true bread of heaven to be born than where? In the house of bread. And if he is the offspring of David, which the Bible says he is, he's from the tribe of Judah, and he's the offspring of David, and like his father David, he shall sit on the throne because there was a promise made to David that your heir, your seed will sit on the throne forever. And none of the sons of David fulfilled that until Jesus Christ came along. And how many of you know he will sit on the throne of his father David forever? And so this bloodline from the natural, he is both God and man. This human bloodline came through the house of David. Very clear. That's why you see this genealogy before the Christmas story at the beginning of the books of the Gospels because they wanted you to know and me to know he came from the house of David. So thus he's fulfilling biblical prophecy. 
So the lamb is really important here. Now, let me give you one more before we close tonight. Y'all getting anything out of this? The second one's very interesting and revolves around a place that maybe you've never thought of. It revolves around the tabernacle. Because I want to pick it up here and give you a timeline. So, so nine plagues have happened. The tenth plague is about to happen, which is the, uh, is the uh, blood of the lamb. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, God said to Aaron and Moses, This month, remember, shall be the beginning of months for you, and it shall be the first month of the year for you. And he continued to tell him about Passover. And uh, the 15th is really at the new moon. So one month later, everybody say one month later. One month later, the Lord begins to rain down manna from heaven. Uh, Exodus chapter 16, verse 1 says, They set out from Elam. All the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day after they departed from the land of Egypt. So now they're in the second month. Now let's go a little bit further. Uh, Exodus 19, 1, the next date recorded is uh, that verse went on the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the lamb on that day they came to the wilderness of Sinai the third new moon is the 15th day of the third month so it's this time they're camping at the base of Sinai so we've had one month two months three months this is the same time when they're camping at Sinai that Moses goes up so in this time frame he's up there for about 40 days and it's during these 40 days that God speaks to him and he receives, as we know, the Ten Commandments. And this third month, he receives these instructions. Exodus 25, if you'd like to turn there, we're going to look at this. He receives these instructions. And it's about building the tabernacle. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. So this offering was not instituted by Moses, it's actually instituted by God. And the offering is for a specific reason, it's to build the tabernacle. Now, we know the things that are going to be asked for. Verse 3, and this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hairs, ram skins, dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, for the sweet incense, onyx stones, stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishing so just so shall you make it. So he says, okay, here's the pattern. This is what we need. So Moses gives this out to all the children of Israel. Said, guys, God wants to take an offering. We need to build a tabernacle. How many know the response from the people? The response was so overwhelming that Moses finally had to say, quit giving. When's the last time you ever heard me get up and say, quit giving? You've never heard that, have you? But the response was so much, he had to tell the people, quit giving. We've got so much, you know, we don't know what to do with it. So they began to build the tabernacle. Now remember, verse 25, when he is given these instructions, this is after what? The third month. 
Now, this is important. It's after the third month. So they begin to build the tabernacle, and all these goods come in. So they have artisans, you know, building uh, things out of uh, uh, linen and dyed things. They're, they're making the sockets and, and the stakes, and they're fashioning the Ark of the Covenant, and they're making the cherubims that guard the mercy seat. So now three months have passed, and now we see when the tabernacle is finished. And, and this is going to amaze you. It's found in Exodus 40. So we, we begin at 25, and then in Exodus 40, we see the tabernacle is finally finished. Uh, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month, well, do you see that rolled around again? Yeah. On the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. So if I ask you this question, how many months did it take to build, erect, and set up the tabernacle? It took nine months. How long is a normal pregnancy? Is nine months. How many of you think that's a coincidence? How many of you don't think that's a coincidence? How many of you don't care? <laughs> now, this is important. Amen. The tabernacle took nine months to build. And, and I'm going to give you a verse out of 1 John, and, and it's going to tie these together. This is John 1. Uh, of course, most of you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God. But drop down to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh... And dwelt among us, and we held, beheld his glory, and the glory was as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now look at verse 14. I have it underlined here. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The original translation does not say and dwelt among us. The word is the word tabernacled. And the word became flesh and what? Tabernacled. Now if you go back to the verse where we said... Moses getting the instruction to build the tabernacle. There's a line in that passage says, so that I can dwell with my people. He says, you build the tabernacle because when you build the tabernacle, I want to dwell with my people. And after nine months, they build the tabernacle. They get everything together. They put the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies and the Shekinah glory of God comes down and it's a symbolic thing that God now is what? Tabernacling with his people. Now let's fast forward to the New Testament. Here's a young lady, a virgin, who is pregnant. And in nine months, she's going to give birth. And when she gives birth, according to scripture, God now is what? Tabernacling with his people. But not in a tent and not in a temple. He's, he's tabernacling in the Son of God. That's why the angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, and you shall also refer to him as Emmanuel, because he is God with us. 
So when you look at this, all of this really ties together scripturally, not just in a New Testament, but in a prophetic way, in a typology way of the Old Covenant and the Old um, Testament. That's why, you know, Matt has mentioned this, I've mentioned this. Folks, there's a lot of people in our world today saying, you don't need the Old Testament. You know, that's just something, I know it's the Old Covenant. Jesus came, he fulfilled it, we're in a new covenant, and that new covenant will be in effect till the end. I know that. But listen, the more we know about our Savior, the more we know about Jesus, listen, the better off we are. And the more we know about Scripture, the better off we are. And the more you know, the less you're going to be deceived. And the more you know, you can stand in the posture of truth in a much, much better way. You know, Brother Ben used to always tell this story. You've heard me tell it about 101 times. But he talked about two boys grew up on a farm. They're out goofing off, as boys do. And Steve and I did that when we were growing out on the farm and ranch. And one of them picked up a rock and threw it. And it and hit a calf, a young calf, in the leg and broke its leg. And the other brother said, boy, Dad's going to get you for that. He said, Dad's going to get you for that. He said, well, I'll just tell Dad that uh, that calf was sucking its mother and the mother kicked it and broke its leg. He said, that don't sound right. He said, well, I'll tell dad that the calf was running, fell on a gopher home, broke its leg. He said, that don't sound right. And then he just said, well, I'll just tell dad I threw a rock and broke its leg. He said, man, that's got a ring to it. (laughs) How many know the truth just got a ring to it? And so when we look at scripture and we begin to, you know, pull this out, it, it has rhyme it has reason, it has order, and, and now God is showing through the typology of the Old Testament what is going to happen. I want to read you a verse. Many of you who've been in class with me, you, you've heard this verse over and over and over. This is in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and uh, this is really significant, I think. And he, he begins to tell us that there are things that are going to happen. Verse 9, the thing which has been is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. So what is he saying? What I'm going to do in the future, I've already done in the past. And if you want to know what I'm going to do in the future, look at what I've done in the past. So I took a tabernacle in Moses' hands, in the children of Israel's hands, and they raised it up in nine months, and I told them the exact day to raise up that tabernacle. You do it on the first day of the first month, or it is the first day of your new beginning. And if you need a new beginning tonight, let me tell you what was raised up the first day. The tabernacle was raised up. And tonight... This thing is all about newness, isn't it? We become a new creature. We have a new step. We have a new life. We have a new second chance, if you will. And so this beginning of this nation, you're going to go back and this should become your first month, first day, and this is what you do. And now, Moses, when you get all this together, this one, when I want you to set up the tabernacle. You set it up. First month, first day, new beginning. And so that second year, they raise up the tabernacle. Now, from that first day of Nisan until the 15th, 
he's already given command about Passover lambs. So the next year, he said, you shall do this, you know, continually. So they're looking forward to the next year, aren't they? So it's not the first Passover. They're going to continue this to look back at what God did in the blood of the Lamb. And of course, in some way, it's looking forward to the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus Christ, which is the true Lamb of God. And just as they took that Lamb's blood and put it on the lintel and the doorpost of their house, they struck it over their house. Looking forward, there is going to be the Lamb of God who's going to be hanging on a cross made out of wood and that blood is going to be stained on that wood suspended between heaven and earth and in that act he became the sacrificial lamb that marked the wood with his blood therefore we can be saved if we trust and we believe in the blood that he shed and he as the lamb of God. So all of this really looks at not only Christmas, but really our own Christian salvation, right? You got to be in the house marked by the blood. You got to be in the house of God marked by the blood. And so the tabernacle really talks about, I think, the birth of Jesus. Because that nine-month period is a time of incubation. It's the time of pregnancy. How many of you think that the Word of God is so intricate and let's go all the way back, and, and we're going to make a full circle here, to Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time was come, this is all about time, isn't it? And then we get a little bit of the purpose in here. When the fullness of time was come. This is what it doesn't say. When December 25th rolled around, I, I'm going to have Mary give birth. No, the fullness of time is that at the, at the right time, at the right way, at the right pattern, then I'm going to bring this forth. So many believe that Jesus was not born on December the 25th. He was born in the early spring and the month of Nisan because that's when the Passover lambs are birthed. Now we may talk about this next time, and let me just whet your appetite. There's a tower there in Bethlehem, and Mary, Randy, and I, and some of us have been in Bethlehem. It's just right outside of Jerusalem, not very far. Um, they have a tower there that in antiquity, when those lambs would begin to be birthed, the, the priest would set a fire, a fire up in the top of this tower so you could see it from the Temple Mount. Now, now, the Temple Mount's on an Acropolis, so if you're in Jerusalem, you're looking up at the Temple Mount, so it's kind of high. And, you know, if you look to the east, it's across the Kidron Valley. If you look to the south and southwest, it's the, uh, the Valley of Hinnon. And then you come over here, and there's, there's Bethlehem. So they would say that those priests shepherds, when, when the Passover lambs would begin to hit the ground, when they would begin to be birthed, they would set a, a fire in the top of the tower so that everyone in Jerusalem and the priest in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount could see the lambs are now being born. We have lambs for Passover. We have lambs for sacrifice. And so if you wonder what the star is about, how many of you know God won up the fire in the tower? Yeah. So he, he didn't light a fire up in the big tower 
He had the heavenly fire in the sky rise up over Bethlehem. And just as they did under the old covenant, they would light the fire up in the air so they could see the lambs are being born. God, in a celestial way, lit up the heavens and he said, the lambs are being born. Not just the natural lambs, but the lamb of God's being born. And you know what? It gave them hope in Jerusalem that we're going to have lambs to mark our house with. And we're going to fulfill the Passover. And so when God lit up the sky, not only was it a sign for them, there were some Gentile people who came following the sign. It was God's original plan. I, I know he selected the Jews, but you can find this through Scripture. It was God's original plan. He was going to redeem yes. the entire world. That's, right. that's, right. that's, the, that's the plan of God. I was listening to a debate here recently, and, and someone said, if, if the enemy knows, if Satan knows he's defeated, why doesn't he give up? Now, you're going to like this. Hang on just for a second, and then we'll pray and we'll, we'll leave. Why doesn't he give up? He knows he's defeated. He knows what his end's going to be. How many of you know if you know it, he knows it? So, so why is he fighting so hard? Why is he fighting the church? Why is he, you know, coming against us? Because he knows the scripture says, and when this gospel is preached to the entire world, then shall the end come. Guess what he's trying to do? He's trying to stop this gospel from being preached to the entire world. If you knew that you were going to die if certain things happen, how many of you would try to fight and fend off that day? You said, man, I'm, I'm going to push this as far out as I can. I mean, I really don't want to uh, be uh, in that state of demise at this time. So if I can extend this as long as I can, then I extend my existence and this horrible faith that I'm going to have. And listen, folks, that's what he's doing right now. So that's why he fights you and he fights me, fights the church. That's why he distracts the church. Because we're to, we have a commission, we're to make disciples, we're to share the good news, we're, we're to spread this good news to the entire world, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other most parts of the earth. So if he can distract the, the church to be a country club church, or a, a culture church, or the hip church, or the cool church, and we're not doing what he asks us to do, you know what he's doing? He's just, he's just pushing out his demise. He's pushing out the end. That's why we need to get serious about being the church. And we're not the only church. We're in the church, which is a lot bigger than Ray of Hope. Can I hear an amen? But we need to be doing what God wants us to do because this is very important. And you're either on the inside or you're on the outside looking in. Let me tell you, the outside looking in doesn't look so good. Because if you're on the outside looking in, then you're with that group that knows there's destruction, but has blinded their eyes of that destruction and you and I need to be, we need to be wise. And we need to understand. So tonight, you know, somebody gets you in a debate about Christmas. Well, you know, I don't think December 25th. Just say, well, I don't think it is either. Now, half the time they're going to say, I don't think it's a date. But they're not going to tell you why they don't think it's the date. Now you know kind of why it may not be December the 25th. Because number one, that's not when shepherds are in the field. That's not when the lambs are being birthed. And also it doesn't fulfill biblical patterns because when the tabernacle is finished 
And let me say this. When the tabernacle is born, it is born on the first day of the first month, which signifies new beginnings. So could it be the tabernacle that God tabernacled in, which is a tabernacle of flesh? Could it be the time of new beginnings? And the answer is absolutely yes. Because your new beginning, your new creation can't be in anything else except Jesus Christ. And when he was born, here's the scripture, and he tabernacled among us. And just as that tabernacle in the wilderness was raised up, whenever Jesus was born, the tabernacle was raised up. To wit, God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And thank God, there's a tabernacle. Not made with hands, but there's a tabernacle. Let's stand tonight. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.